Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy you've tuned into the show. Whether you have listened before or you're brand new, I'm so grateful for you. You have no idea. And this episode is brought to you by my Become Aligned course. And podcasts are amazing. And I know that you know that because you guys all listen to them. And I do too. And sometimes they are not necessarily enough because while we're listening, sometimes we're passively listening and we're not actively listening. So the reason that Chris and I, Chris is my husband, the reason we've created this course is because we get asked so many questions outside of the podcast on how we started living the life that we live now, a life of happiness, of abundance, of really understanding that life is always full of problems every single day, but there's always a solution. And how do we shift back into a mindset that's going to keep us happy, keep us together, keep us successful, and keep us in thriving relationships. And that is what 
our Become Aligned course is about. You guys, we cover everything from mindset to the rituals that we do every single day. We talk about different energy sources that's really going to provide you with lasting energy. We talk about your purpose and what that actually means, what it is, and how it's ever-changing. We're going to tap into your beliefs. We're going to show you how to build a tribe to support where you're going. And we're definitely going to talk about wealth, abundance, money, all of the good things and how to sustain all of this. Because while, like I said, podcasts are absolutely awesome, you don't necessarily sit down and actually write out a plan for yourself. Because as much as I can sit here and tell you on the podcast what we do and how much, how many different people that I can interview, it's important that you actually learn how to apply these things in your own life. So if you've been listening for a while and you are ready to go deep and you really want to get some direct training and be able to dive into your life and yourself and your mindset, this is the course for you. I don't know about you, but I absolutely have points in my life where I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. Sometimes I hit walls where I don't necessarily feel happy anymore and I haven't sat with myself long enough. I haven't really let myself think. I haven't written out how I actually feel. And so many people who took this course said that it was completely life-changing and they revealed a lot of things about themselves, about them li- about their lives, about their relationships that they weren't really looking at or they were avoiding. And it's about having those tough conversations, not only with other people, but really with yourself and knowing that you have the tools and the access to the tools. And we're going to teach you all of the tools that you need, not only to move through things, but to actually thrive on the other side. So you guys, I would love for you to join the Aligned community. It's such a special group of human beings and you get lifetime access. This is nine different modules where you're going to be working through each area of your life at your own pace. So you might need something on abundance. You might need more on you know money. You might need more on your purpose, on your tribe. This is where you can really go deep on exactly what you need and make sure that you're not missing any of your blind spots if you are feeling stuck or if you are wondering how everyone is doing it and how they're managing it all. This is a truly honest course about how to have a thriving life and manage and deal with all of the different problems that do come up in your life and understand that not everyone is going to support you and not everyone is for you and you are not for everyone. And that's okay. It's finding your people. It's forgiving yourself. It's creating a life of abundance and choosing your own purpose and your happiness. So you guys, you can go to becomealigned.com. That's becomealigned.com. And you guys know that because you're listeners, I'm going to give you an awesome deal and an awesome discount. And I cannot wait to see you in that community. And also let me know if you join because it is such an awesome, awesome uh, community. And also I'm really proud of this course. Chris and I poured our heart and our soul into this. Everything that we've done, everything that we've learned, we've invested so so much into ourselves that this is everything that we have applied in our lives. And if you want to know how we've done it, we put it all on the table. We've put it all in this course. So if you want to know, go check it out at becomealigned.com. So let's get into the show. I asked my wife, 
who's pregnant with our fourth child. We have three kids at the time, none of them over the age of 10. And I said, is this okay? I'm going to give this money from our first paycheck for someone else. And she looked at me and said, you finally get it. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. My guest today is Dave Meltzer. He is the CEO of Sports One Marketing, a Forbes top 10 keynote speaker, award-winning humanitarian, and two-time national best-selling author with 25 years of experience as an entrepreneur and executive in the legal, technology, sports, and entertainment fields. With expertise across many industries. He is uniquely positioned as a world-renowned thought leader, business strategist, and leading humanitarian. Dave has created a platform that allows him to communicate with everyone from college students to C-suite executives by using his principles for business and life which are gratitude, empathy, accountability, and effective communication. Utilizing these four principles every day allows Dave to live by his mission, which is make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. And I gained so much wisdom from this podcast. I'm telling you, if you are having an idea of starting a business, if you have a business, if you have an idea, if you have a pulse, you're going to love this podcast. So let's get started. David, I'm so excited to sit down with you and get to chat with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, I am so, so excited to speak with you. And thank you for taking the time. Oh, you ha- I, you're one of those people who I sit down and I'm like, I, okay, I have about an hour. Where do I even begin? Because your story, it's like, do I start with the now? Do I start with the past? Do we start with the middle? Because you have such a rich story. So I do think it's really important for the people who may not know who you are yet, just to get a feel for, I know you had a really quick rise or you you had a beautiful rise to success, but then you've also had some beautiful, big failures that have brought you to a place where I know now you're doing such beautiful things in the world. So if you could give us a quick synopsis. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm blessed to grow up with an ama- amazing, amazing mom, uh, six kids, single mom. Wow. Her mom, she had these great philosophies. One, you know, the fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school. She was an educator. <laughs> uh, doctor, lawyer, failure. Uh, so that was ingrained in me. Uh, and she was a third degree uh, master of the martial arts, a black belt and Jewish guilt. And, uh, <laughs> I, all my siblings are extremely successful, especially academically. And people ask my mom all the time, how come you know, your kids are so successful? Like how did you know, Harvard, Penn, Columbia, summa cum laude, like, how did you do it? And, and she literally would, would say uh, Jewish guilt. Wow. I woke up 
I woke them up at five in the morning. So they stayed out of trouble. They were too tired to get in trouble. And I guilted them exactly where they, they needed to be. Um, for me, uh, that Jewish guilt really resonated. And I only wanted to serve my mom. Mm. I was driven to buy my mom a house and a car. Uh, and the reason is, is although I was super poor, I had such a happy life and I watched my mom sacrifice so much. And the only time that I saw any unhappiness was when my mom would cry because we didn't have enough money. Mm. You know, we needed food, we needed a car broke down, we needed to go to summer camp or she, and she was so upset. And I said in my mind, I am going to manifest or I'm going to get a ton of money so I could buy my mom a house and a car. And that journey led me you know, through trying to be a professional football player, to being a, a doctor, to being a lawyer. And when I graduated law school, it was a critical decision of my life because I got two job offers. I was $100,000 in debt from law school. I had gotten a scholarship to college and I got offered a job to be an oil and gas litigator, which I did research, by the way, and went to Tulane Law School because it was a top maritime law school in the country, if not the world, I was going to be a rich oil and gas lawyer. I looked it up who pays the most, what job pays the most. And that was it. I was going to make a million no matter what. Mm -hmm. But then I also got offered a job to sell legal research on the internet. And it was the early nineties. Nobody even knew what the internet was. I asked my unbelievable advisor, my mom, what to do. And without blinking, she told me to be a real lawyer. She also told me that the internet was going to be a fad. And I'd be wasting my time, you know, doing anything in the internet. Uh, Do you ever bring and, that back up to her? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but I, I more bring it up to other people because she's, you know, just a wonderful person. Right. She loves, she loves it. But it, it, it's a very, very, very valuable lesson. You, mm. you just because somebody loves you, and my mom loves me too much. You talk to her, you'll tell she thinks way too highly of me. But just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. Mm -hmm. And so many times I see people taking the advice, worrying about what other people think just because they care about them and love them, but yet they don't know anything about what they're talking about. And mm -hmm. we cannot you know, confuse the fact that people care about us with that they know anything of what they're talking of. And so I was determined to find people that sat in the position I wanted to be in. I wanted to find the experts was at that what I wanted. For you, was that like something that was like? How did you understand that? Because I think a lot of people don't get that. You know, oh. they take it what their loved ones say, and then they're like, "Okay, well, I'm going to stop." Where you were like, "No, I need people around me." How did you know that? You know, it was mostly around money. That I knew my mom was horrible with money. Mm -hmm. I knew through college and law school that I could give my mom all the money in the world mm -hmm. and she, she would never have any. Um, it was innate in her being, right? She was just this person that was a catalyst that had bad energy towards money. But I knew it just in my being that mm -hmm. that's not the person I'm going to ask about money. And I, I ended up to be right. And yeah. I, you know, I, I literally have learned from that experience that I was right, that I continued to do that. Where I went wrong though, as we talked through my journey, is I was a millionaire nine months out of law school. I, mm. uh, the company I worked for sold for Thomson Reuters three years into my career for $3.4 billion in 1995. And it set me on a different trajectory and sent me off to the Silicon Valley where I raised millions and millions of dollars uh, with a wireless proxy server company and then eventually landed as the CEO of the world's first smartphone. 
uh, something called the PCE phone. It was Samsung's first phone, manufactured uh, smartphone. They called them convergence devices in 1999. They didn't call them smartphones. And mm-hmm. it was the world's first Microsoft phone. It was a Windows CE phone. And so I had now surrounded myself with the biggest leaders on Sand Hill Road, the biggest leaders of our industry, entrepreneurs like Bill Gates and Michael Dell, and just extraordinary people. And I started to pick up on the attributes of the most successful people. The irony is I stopped asking for help. I allowed my own ego, my own Midas touch to get in my own way. And I surrounded myself with the wrong people and the wrong ideas. And uh, But for my wife, uh, who saved not, not only my life, but just saved all my being by teaching me to look at things in a different way, to live with radical humility, to take stock in who I was, to develop values like the ones that I was raised with. And ironically, I changed my, I retired in my 30s after being CEO of the PCE phone, the smartphone company. I retired with everything I ever dreamed of. Uh, by the way, I did buy my mama house in a car nine mm. months out of law school. It's the first thing I did. Still one of the great achievements of my life. And mm. But uh, ironically, I uh, met a guy named Lee Steinberg in my uh, quantum shift in life, my trans- transformational years. And while I was working as CEO, the most notable sports agency in the world, I lost everything. Mm. So I uh, made some bad assumptions about uh, borrowing against equity that I had, and I was not paying attention and got my ego involved in a few lawsuits and ended up losing over a $100 million portfolio at that time. And still to this day is a complete miracle of my life. I don't believe in mistakes. I believe in the other M word, miracle, not mm-hmm. mistakes, because it was truly a miracle that I had something that could humble me and teach me to be of service and of value. And as I lost everything, I changed my ways and, and learned that I was going to live my life of service as a capitalist, meaning I was going to make a lot of money to help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Everything that I did now was not for me. It was through me for others. And I created a prayer that I would pray for at least 10 people I could help every day, that I would create more value out of everything that I did and be able still uh, to be a capitalist and to help empower people, to empower other people to be happy uh, utilizing this philosophy about money. Did you so while you were, you know, in the process of losing everything, what was the first moment that you were like, I'm losing everything in watching your because I'm sure you're obviously your identity gets really fixed into um, you know, the income you're making. So been there. Um <laughs> yeah. not to where you were exactly, but you know, there's that moment where it's almost like it's surreal and you know that your life will never be the same. And you can't quite see the other side yet. Like it's the crumbling. Yeah. What what happened to me is when I realized that I had made bad assumptions. So, you know, I had all these warnings, you know, my dad had warned me at 30 that he had sent me a a birthday present, a jacket with no pockets to warn me that I was just like him. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was the first present my dad had given me in 20 years after missing my birthday at 10 and telling me he didn't believe in birthdays. I was so excited to get this jacket, but it was just a lesson to hang in my closet, a jacket with no pockets. So I wouldn't be the richest man in the cemetery that I literally would remind myself every day that I'd be buried in that jacket with nothing to take with me Mm -hmm. to another. Another warning where my best friend told me uh, that he wasn't hanging out with me because he didn't like who I was hanging out with. And I told him, yeah, but I'm not doing 
what those guys are doing. And he said, you know what? You can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. To the third lesson, warning. Yeah. My wife, who I've known since the fourth grade, you know, basically telling me she wasn't happy. And this is while I still had everything and telling me that I better go take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become. But the real moment of that realization, which is a a hard one to to fathom as well to, to process, was when I actually had to file bankruptcy, not only did I have to go tell uh, Lee Steinberg and Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback, who were both my business partners, who had no idea because I had to hide it from them that I was a complete financial failure because they had promoted me as the next Jeff Morad, who was mm. their previous partner who bought the Padres recently <laughs> in that time, that I was the new Jeff Morad, the super Midas, super success. I had to go tell them you know, that I wasn't what I appeared to be in my identity of being rich and successful. How did you tell them? Like, what was that conversation? Because it's all about the tough conversations. Like, how did you... Yeah, that one's easy. Wait till you hear the next conversation. But yeah, I I went in there and I figured, you know, I got to just take accountability. And so what I did was I asked them if I could meet with them. I told them the reasons uh, why uh, I hadn't told them and I could understand if they no longer wanted me to be uh, in charge and was, was hoping that they could forgive me, not for losing everything, but more importantly, not to have the confidence in them that they still would appreciate the value that I bring to the company and that my own ego was in my way. And I, you know, they both were just extremely humble and gracious. And mm-hmm. they had, you know, said, this is why we did hire you because you're the type of person that would be accountable and come in and say these types of things. So, um, the, you know, the worry was worse than the yes. actual conversation. I was going to say, I can't imagine the stories you told in your head before that. Oh God, sleepless nights. And then worse, worse than that was I had to then go tell my mother, oh God. right? Doctor, lawyer, or failure. The only reason I wanted to be rich was to buy my mom a house and a car. And I had to go tell her that her golden child a great successful son, the one that for years she told was lost because I would tell her, you know, that I knew better than she did. And you know, all the dumbass things I said to my mom, <laughs> but worse than anything you could ever imagine where it all hit home was when I realized that not only did I have to go tell my mother, but I had forgotten to take my mom's house out of my name. Oh God. Therefore I lost her house and she had to move. Oh my God. Yeah. What did she say? Here's where where my life changed. I had built this in, like you said, I wonder what that conversation looked like in your mind. My conversation looked like me telling my mom and, you know, just like uh, Red Fox falling to the ground, holding his heart, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm coming to you easy. You know, this is it. (laughs) Um, You know, I literally thought that she would break down and and just the Jewish guilt would be never ending and immenseful. And I told you so. And instead, I told her, she looked at me and without blinking, she said, honey, are you okay? Do you need any money? Mm. Like, you know, I I still get choked up. I get choked up saying it because like to me, that was the point of my life where I'm like, oh my God, I am so blessed with my family, my wife, my kids, this extraordinary unconscious competency that I have, the ability to create and to make money and to help people. And I've taken it all for granted. Mm-hmm. And this was the lesson that I needed. I'm going to live my life in a whole, I'm going to live it like my mom, 
you right? Just unconditionally love other people. I was a second grade teacher who came home with six kids and loaded us up with paper bag dinners of bologna and peanut butter and jelly <laughs> and filled up turnstiles at the 7-Eleven so we could eat. And I was born with a higher uh, unconscious competency. I always could make money. You just don't make millions of dollars out of law school that fast if you don't have a gift. Mm-hmm. And I believe I can help people attain that gift and shift their energy. And I've learned to diagnose the attributes of of what I have energetically and genetically to help people. But man, I that to me was a catalyst that I was going to live my life with my gifts like my mom had lived it. But because I have different gifts than my mom, not only could I help empower people like my mom did with my time, but more importantly, I was going to amass great wealth and allow it to come through me to help more and more people. And one of the biggest achievements of my life, I always tell people, they'll ask me, do you think money buys happiness? Because I think money is super important. Mm -hmm. And I always tell them, you know, money does not buy happiness, but it's necessary and it's important because it allows you to shop. Just like faith allows you to shop from the great power of intention in the field of intention for everything we want. Money at this vibration is the currency to allow you to get what you want, but you need to shop for the right thing. So at 50 years old, I built two community centers in Africa and impacted millions of people and I shopped for the right things. And I've never been happier, more profitable and purposeful and passionate in my life because I started to shop for the right things. Mm. So you talk about that pivot point where it's like that that realization of, you know, who you want to be now, but also that you are the person who is, you know, able to make money, who can come back. Like you innately know that and you know that you have these um, attributes. So what did you start doing at that point that you were like, I know I have these things innately? Is that something that you went to right away or what did that look like? Yeah. So two things that I did, right? I trusted in the process, right? I trusted in myself. I trusted in the universe. And uh, so what I did is number one, I started practicing what I believed to be true, even though it was terrifying. So for example, I got my first paycheck from Lee. And now you're, you're talking about someone that lost everything, a ski, right. ski mountain, a, a golf course, 33 homes. I lost everything in my home. I was now living in a rented house with rented furniture. Um, I had no credit, right? I mean, I literally, I was living paycheck to paycheck and I got my first paycheck and I wrote a check from my paycheck and showed my wife. And I said, I'm going to give this to our high school where my wife and I both went to the same high school. We didn't date, by the way. She hated me. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I threw an egg at her when I was little and I knew her since the fourth grade. But moreover, I wrote this check to give a scholarship through uh, Warren Moon's scholarship fund, Crescent Moon Foundation, to a kid from my high school to go to college because I could have never went to college without scholarship money. Mm -hmm. My siblings could have never went to college without that kind of money. And so I asked my wife, who's pregnant with our fourth child, we have three kids at the time, none of them over the age of 10. And I said, is this okay? I'm going to give this money from our first paycheck for someone else. And she looked at me and said, you finally get it. You trust And I said, yep, I understand. I said, it's still scary, but I understand. She said, if you really trust it, go ahead and double it. And I said, no, I don't trust the universe that much. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Um, and the reason I tell this story, though, is I think it's important that people know, and people ask me all the time, I'm a hypocrite. Like, I'm 
in the, the enjoyment of the consistent every day, persistent without quit pursuit of my potential. I'm not at my potential. So every time I give to charity, every time I do something, there's a hint of fear. There's a scarce feeling that I have. Like, should I do this? My girls aren't all in college. I haven't paid for the weddings and the graduate schools and the graduate, you know, the, 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 the grandkids. Like, why am I giving all my money away? Well, I want people to know that the more you trust it and the more you fight the ego and the fear of loss, the more you'll have. Mm. And that it's not a trade. I don't give to get anything. I give unconditionally and trust the universe that I'm creating a void for it to fill with everything that I want by giving away what other people want, by elevating others to elevate myself. And this mechanism has been extremely powerful over the last 10 years to not only enable me to get back into a financial position that I was, but even more important to have extreme impact and purpose into my life. Wow. I'm like just making quote tiles in my head of everything you're saying right now. (laughs) So you were talking about, uh, you know, I I was watching um, an interview with you and I absolutely was like feverishly taking notes because some of the things you were saying is are just vital for every, obviously, not only person who wants to attract what they want in their life, but if they're at a point where they're leveling up, and I think we're we're always trying to get to the next level, right? But you right. were talking about being a student of your calendar. And that was so huge to me because I think this is something that's overlooked. And I even, I know it, but I still forget about it. So can you tell me a little bit about understanding how you were talking about understanding time and understanding ego? Yeah. So number one, time is a big detriment to everyone because they don't understand it. There's two time uh, frames. One is man-made time. It's 24 hours. It's a man-made construct. And that's where I use the student of the calendar, right? I want to be productive and accessible with my 24 hours. I want to define my time as activity I get paid for and activity I don't get paid for. I don't believe in work. Right. And I can prove that to anyone. I mean, I'd pay $2 million a year to play second base for the Padres and somebody else gets paid $2 million to do that. And and they calls it work. So work is just activity you get paid for. And uh, then there's activity you don't. But by being a student of your calendar, what it does is it harnesses faith. Faith is the aggregate of what you think, say, do, believe. And those unconscious competencies that I talked about earlier, that genetic ones of personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions, as well as an unconscious competency of your energy. Well, if we aggregate that and call it faith, how do we allow our faith to go shopping for us? It's truly a currency that buys from the field of intention that holds everything. Well, the way that we do that is to focus on on things. So what I want you to focus in on is your time, the 24 hours that you have in a day. And so what I do is I study my calendar. What am I doing to be productive and accessible? Productive is obvious, that's adding value, but accessible is accessible to others Mm -hmm. as well as being able to access what I want. And what am I doing in person, on the phone, via email and media, that's radio, print, TV, social media, whatever it is, what am I doing every day to be productive and accessible with that time? And not only with what's scheduled, but also with the white space in my calendar, the things that aren't scheduled. In fact, if you want to have an amazing advancement of exponential growth and acceleration in your life, go ahead and study sleep. 
Mm. Right? That's something that everybody does unconsciously for six to 10 hours a day. And yet we don't spend, that's a majority of your day. And it's consistently the only thing that everyone does more than just breathing. I mean, besides breathing, everybody sleeps. And yet nobody's taking advantage of the productivity and accessibility of sleep and studying it. So I tell people to pay more attention to, which harnesses the power intention of what we want by being a student of your calendar, studying it every day. If you just get in the habit, by the way, of studying your calendar for three minutes a day, watch and see how much more productive you are, how much more value you give, and how much more accessible you are Mm -hmm. to others and to get what you want. It is the easiest, simplest way to do that. The other thing that creates resistance is the understanding of true time, which is infinite. And the reason that we have problems with infinite time is that the human brain, mind, perception cannot grasp billions and billions of years, billions and billions of lifetimes. They can't conceive it. The human mind, it doesn't understand that our lifetime is a blink. And it doesn't understand that 10 years is a blink. One year is a blink. One month is a blink. One week is a blink. One day is a blink. One hour is a blink. So what we do is we make decisions and assumptions based upon a time that truly can't be comprehended. And we make a decision and there's action and reaction in those time frames. And we start making judgments and conditions based upon the actions and reactions that are truly arbitrary and capricious because what I do today truly may not take place until a lifetime, two lifetimes, or a million lifetimes, who knows? But I immediately see a piece of the puzzle and thinks it has to fit in right now when it might not fit in for 30 years, which is truly just a blink. So I tell people all the time, you've got to be in control of your calendar. You've got to study your calendar, be in control of time, and understand the distinction between man-made construct of 24 hours as well as infinity time. Mm. So for you, if I were to look at your calendar, do you literally plan everything? Well, that's what's so great. That's That may be the best question anyone's asked us because I love questions that illustrate the conflict that exists of how people perceive things. So I do not schedule everything, right? The schedule is what I'm doing in person on the phone, email, and media, but I study the white space of my calendar, meaning what can I do with that time, mm. right? And, and it changes, right, with determinative upon what's going on in the day. But what I'm doing is I'm projecting productivity and accessibility into the man-made construct by studying what I am doing. Because I'm, you know, I'm looking at how can I be more efficient, effective, and statistically successful with that time. And it's interesting because we talked earlier before the, the interview about my favorite topic, which is availability and unavailability, which really aligns with the student of the calendar. Let me explain why. Because the more available I am to others, the more that I can access and the more that they can access. The biggest determination in my success is that I believe that I'm more available to other people than anyone I know. And I also make other people available to me. What does that mean? Too many people deal with the aftermath of availability. So we're training our salespeople, our, you know, paradonists, our everybody about what to do when somebody is available. But in order to truly exponentially grow and accelerate your career, what if more people were available to you? You wouldn't even have to be as statistically successful. So for example, if you're someone that could close two people out of 10 on whatever it is you're doing, meaning you could share a vision twice out of 10 people, 
Well, if you're only seeing 10 people a day, that means you're only successful twice. Mm. Now, if I learn how to make people accessible to me, available to me, and I have 100 people available to me, and even if I only can get one person out of 10 to share my vision, I am out, my output, my productivity is five times yours just because I have more people available to me. And I believe that availability is a key component, a skill that we must teach everybody. Because if you look at a really broad, you know, kind of woo-woo sense of things, when we want to ask and attract in our life, the more things that are available to us, statistically, we're going to be more successful. Even if we're not as successful at sharing a vision or aligning with what is available, it doesn't matter if more is available to us. It's, you know, if you're investing money and I have $20 million and I invest $2 million into 10 companies and nine fail and one successful, but it makes $100 million, right? I'm a huge success. I've netted $80 million. But meanwhile, statistically, I'm a huge failure. I've picked nine losers. Mm -hmm. And I, I just really want people to think about, go home and say, gosh, what am I doing to make people available so that they can help me with what I want? In fact, there's two simple questions on earth to get what you want. Number one is how can I be of service or how can I provide value? And two, it's do you know anyone or anything that can help me? If you learn those two questions, invariably, you will be the biggest success you've ever seen. Hmm. So I, I mean, the first one, how can I add value? I absolutely love that one and try to practice it whenever possible, but I'm, I'm definitely not doing much of, and I, and I, I don't think I know a lot, which is just crazy. Because when you say it, it's like, of course. But at the same time, there's so many things that come up around asking that question. Who, Number one, if we can just share with everyone, who do you start asking that to? Um, how do we overcome the fears around asking that question? And does it just become, does it become a muscle you build? Does it become a habit? How do we like make sure that we're, you know, asking the right people? Great. Number one, it's a habit. You need to build the muscle. And so start by just considering the numbers. I think everyone has no problem asking how I can be of service or of value. I believe that, that no one has that problem. The real problem exists with the ego, right? With the humility that it takes, the need to feel superior or inferior separate. But what happens is if you start by just telling yourself that most people on average, including you, you know at least a thousand people that could help me. That's at least, you know, at least a thousand people that either be via in person, email, social media, you have about a thousand people that you could find out whether they could help me. Mm. So if every day, all I did was ask one person to start at the end of the month, I would have access to about 31,000 people that I didn't have access to before. Mm -hmm. And I think about the four ways that I can ask in person, on the phone, via email or media. And for me, it's become a habit and it's an extraordinary habit because, you know, I went from asking one person a day to trying to do one person on the phone, one via email, one via in person and one via social media or other media. And now it became four a day, 112 people a month times a thousand. There's 112,000 people minimum that were available to help me. And the funny thing that I learned was the subtleties of saying, do you know anyone that can help me with or anything that can help me? Well, by asking that is a really soft way of asking the person who I'm talking to for help as well, right? They could be one of those people that they know. The more that you do it and the bigger the habit gets, I actually still to this day, every day, go to my send box 
and see how many people via email that I asked, do you know anyone that can help me? Or do you know anything that can help me? Because I just want to double check is you know that muscle being utilized and you know, out of the 96 sent messages I've had in the last hour, you know, there's 22 of them that I asked and I can only get better and it's only helping me. And I'm making other people feel the best thing you can do. Read Ben Franklin's autobiography. The best thing you can do is ask somebody for help because you become an investment of theirs and you make them feel good, purposeful, and passionate whenever you ask anyone for help. It's one of the kindest things that you can do is to add that type of purpose to somebody. That compliment just elevates their energy and inspiration. So you're doing somebody a favor and giving them a gift by asking if they know anybody that can help you or know anything that can help you. Uh, this is so, this is like so important. I run a women's event where I do an exercise where we just have to ask questions for maybe something that we need. Um, and it's probably one of the most challenging things for a lot of the people because, you know, I, I'm, I'm always curious what those fears are around asking and also they're afraid of rejection. So what do you say around that? So first of all, we have to take control of our fears. So, you know, one of the things that I, practice is being aware of my ego. Uh, The ego is always with us. It's what deters us or creates resistance voids and shortages in our life. It's the need to be, like I said, inferior, superior, separate, need to be right, offended, resentful, guilty, angry, fearful, all these different needs of the ego. And what we need to do is ask ourselves and be aware of why do I feel this way? Right? Why wouldn't I ask for help? And we have to realize that I need to go back to center. I have to literally train myself, convince myself, put faith in myself and the universe that I am doing and giving and being of service by asking someone for help. Mm-hmm. Because we have to learn that the ego is in our way and we have to ask why. And when we start controlling that, once we're aware of we're in in thinking with or acting in the ego, we can go back to center, which is why meditation to me is so important. Because if we know where our center is, if we know where our place of peace is, when we are off center or we're out of place, we can then, instead of accelerating through things and making it worse, we actually can take a deep breath, go back to center and go back onto the trajectory or the pursuit of our potential in which we want. So many people, the analogy I use, they get on the freeway to go five south, you know, here in California, and they end up on the five north. And instead of putting on the brakes and immediately turning around, they accelerate and they end up in San Francisco when they wanted to be down in San Diego. Mm. So for uh, somebody who has an idea or has a you know, a small idea on their passion or maybe a business that they want to start, but they are either analyzing or they're doing risk assessment. Do you think that it's um, like, when do you tell someone just to go full throttle on that vision instead of analyzing, is it right for me? Is this really the passion? Is this the thing? Or how do you know? Yeah. So first of all, things change. So you never know. Um, What you need to do is start with profitability. So I'm a firm believer in that, you know, people love what they do. They don't do what they love. Mm. It's two types of people, you know, people who dream about doing what they love. And then those who have learned to love what they do. And you need to be a person that loves what they do. In the same respect, when you're creating an idea, you have to realize there's a million great ideas out there. But in order for it to be considered a business, in order for it to be 
uh, profitable, it has to make money. And so your first step before you raise money, before you start the business is anything, is you need some sort of, uh, of a perspective of how you're going to monetize your idea, right? A business is about making money, right? Otherwise, it's easy. Once you get profit, it's easy to be passionate and purposeful with profit. Right. The other side of it deters you from passion and purpose. So I always suggest people to go out and seek help, to get mentorship, to pass their idea by people who sit in the situation that they want to be in, to allow them to help you create a model that at least has a perspective of profitability. Then once you have a profitability perspective, you then can start pursuing that potential. And of course, getting aligned with what you need to do, take action and prepare for adjustment. But most importantly, be a sacrifice, stay in business, right? You need to start that business and be a sacrifice initially. You need to stay in business. And then as the value of what your idea and the execution of your idea is, you can go in ahead and figure out whether I should raise money, work off of profits or sacrifice more. Mm. But what most people don't understand is they think that a great idea is a business. They think that it takes no sacrifice, that they can just raise. I can't tell you how many people say, can you help me raise money? And I'll say, oh, do you have a business plan? No. Do you have an executive summary? No. Do you know how you're going to make money? No. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They, but they have a great idea. <laughs> you know, there's a million great ideas. You've got to put and be more interested and create a profitability perspective so that you have a basis in order to effectuate getting aligned with your idea, taking action on your idea and preparing for adjustment while always looking at the value and knowing the number one piece of advice about starting a business is to stay in business. So for me, even today, 11 years after starting Sports One Marketing, my first question each day is, can I guarantee I'm going to be in business tomorrow? Mm. And I make sure I work through that every day because I know no matter what, if I'm in business, my business has an opportunity to evolve and all it takes is one touch of favor and for it to, in, in order it for it to have exponential growth and acceleration and that you know the world is in my hand when I stay in business. The only way that business dies is just like when the body dies, when the heart stops beating mm-hmm. and it's always generated by profit. Oh, I love that question. That's such a great question. Can I ensure that I'll be in business tomorrow? Because it just makes you immediately think, what action do I need to do right now to make sure I'm doing that? Yeah. It's like availability, right? Mm -hmm. What action do I have to take to make sure I'm available tomorrow and others are available to me? Mm. What is a question that you wish more people asked you? (laughs) I wish more people would ask me for, and I'll give you for my best piece of advice about what I know. And so for example, when our economy goes down, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get in front of uh, Warren Buffett and simply say, Hey, Warren, I got $30 million. What what should I invest in? Right? Because literally his knowledge is extraordinary. So if you're going to ask anyone, including me, it's like, what's your best piece of advice? What have you learned in this process? And what I've learned and what I like to teach people is simple kindness, right? Be kind to your future self, do good deeds, add value to everything and everyone you run into. And simply, if you take that perspective, everything will come to you rapidly and accurately. It's 
you know, you got to do the things when nobody's looking, but you got to trust the universe that if you are kind to your future self, every person, place, and thing that you run into, you make better, you provide value to it, and you stick to simple kindness, it's amazing how your life will end up. And I promise you, if you can help other people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Mm. So good. So I I truly believe that people who are um, some of the most successful people are really effective at communicating or having tough conversations or having, you know, not going to bed with either resentment or something that they want to say. So what makes you, because I can already tell you're a freaking amazing communicator, (laughs) what are the keys to clear, loving communication and having tough conversations? So there's four things I think that help. Number one is gratitude because gratitude gives you perspective. So to be an effective communicator, in order to do anything in life, we need to control our perspective. And so if we focus in on and put faith in what we want through gratitude, right? I tell people all the time, if you want to change your life, simply say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up. You know, it's the easiest way to change your life. I've studied physics, quantum physics, and metaphysics. Without a doubt, the easiest way to change your life is simply to say thank you every single day before you go to bed when you wake up. So if you take a gracious perspective and be thankful for everything, everyone, and all the different you know, uh, personal uh, relationships and, and uh, instances of experience, you will be so far ahead. The second uh, thing is forgiveness. I am amazed how much time, money, resources, and relationships are ruined because we don't understand forgiveness. Mm. And the cool thing is you only have to forgive one person. That's yourself because you can't give what you don't have. I can't tell you how many people have wasted time, resources, money, and relationships uh, not forgiving other people for the same things that we do. In fact, you know, I used to tell people all the time, the things I hated most about my father were the things I hated most about myself. Mm. Once I learned to forgive myself, it was so easy to forgive my father, but forgiveness gives you peace. And so when you have a gracious perspective and you're at peace, the third thing you want to do in communication is always be accountable. Two simple questions in my life that I ask. One, what did I do to attract this to myself and what am I supposed to learn from it? So there's never blame, shame, and and justification in my conversations. Mm. I'm never below the line. So I'm not creating void shortages and resistance into any of my relationships that I have. And then finally, understanding inspiration. So the understanding of inspiration is what we were talking about earlier with the ego, is that you need to live at center. You need to live at peace. You need to clear and clean the connection to that which inspires you. And before you can inspire other people, before you can connect to other people, you need to connect to that which inspires you. You need to have a clean, strong connection to that which inspires you. So you stay in spirit. You stay inspired. You are not tired. You literally, once you're inspired, can allow all that energy and inspiration to come through you for others to benefit them. And the best way to help other people is to inspire them. But there's no way you can give what you don't have. So you need to make that connection first. So gratitude, empathy, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration are the four things that will make any relationship, any communication more effective. Mm. Beautiful. So I feel like you are so, you know, you're playing at a a really high level. You're, you know, you're super dialed in, but obviously you're still human. So can you speak to 
um, me a little bit about like distraction in comparison. Does that even plague you or what do you say? What do you say around that? So all the things that plagued me before still plague me today. It's just at a lesser percent. Mm. Uh, and so I'm on the pursuit of my potential and it's not just distraction. It's the ego, right? I still have a need to be right and need to be offended and need to be resentful and need to be separate and need to be inferior, superior. All these different things still haunt me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just what percentage of the time do I allow it to distract me from my trajectory? And how quickly can I get back to the trajectory, the pursuit of my potential? What clarity, balance, and focus do I have in my life to allow me to clean the connection to that which inspires me? And how aware am I of what I'm doing and how much help am I? In fact, the two words that ring true in my heart that sit on my uh, nightstand and in my wallet and on my screensaver is radical humility, Mm -hmm. right? Can I have the faith to surrender Surrender and allow things to happen. And this word allowance confuses people. Allowance is not passive, right? Allowance is not passive at all. I use the analogy of, hey, when I was a little kid, my mom gave me a quarter allowance for doing a whole bunch of chores, Mm -hmm. right? Allowance is hard work. Mm -hmm. Allowance is an aggressive, really active behavior. Mm -hmm. It's not the law of attraction, but it institutes the law of Goya. The law of getting off your ass. <laughs> allowance, you know, allowance to me is the ability to not only take action to what I want in the most efficient, effective, and statistically successful way, but more importantly, while I'm taking that action, to be radically humble enough to get back to center when my trajectory changes to one of ego, to ego-based emotions, a waste of energy, time, resources, money, and relationships. So there's a combination of you know really focused, disciplined behavior, plus this allowance. And the allowance is an aggressive behavior that is a fight between good and evil. It's a fight between peace and ego. It is a fight for me to know and forgive myself every time that I say something I wish I didn't say or acted and did something that was not in the pursuit of my potential. When I acted out of fear of loss, of guilt, of you know, anger, of attacking thoughts, which happened to me every day, I'm just getting better and better and better at a percentage where it doesn't you know, I'm not pouring on the gas when I'm going the wrong way. I'm trying to break as fast as I can and turn around back to center. And then I'll get started on my trajectory again. Hmm. What is lighting? Like, what is the most exciting thing for you right now, personally? Like, what's really lighting you up? That's awesome. The impact side of what I do. So, what's lighting me up is to live such an inspired life and to have the relative relationships with, you know, my mom, my wife, my children, and to be able to not only impact uh, those individuals, but so many more people, you know, the advent of the ability to communicate with millions of people every single day and, and have it be perpetuated, right? I'm not personally doing it. I'm creating videos you know, I'm not asking for anything. I give away all my books. I pay for shipping. I don't have any advertisers or sponsors. I don't do product placement. I simply am trying to inspire people to live a productive and accessible life, to get what they want. And most importantly, not only to be happy, but to empower others, to empower others, to be happy. And all the different platforms that I can utilize, whether it be my podcast, which is the playbook or my TV show, Elevator Pitch, or just my Instagram or LinkedIn, or YouTube, whatever it is, the speeches that I give, I am just so blessed 
that I've been given a platform of exposure to empower others, to empower others, to be happy. And I live by the light, meaning that I live that all it takes is one particle of light to counteract millions of particles of darkness. And if I've been given a gift and an allowance to be that light, I can't think of any better life that I'd like to live with the profit, the passion, and the purpose that I have. Mm, I love that. That's so beautiful. You have so much energy. Do you think it comes from just waking up and reminding yourself to, um, you know, what real fulfillment means to you? Like, what what does real fulfillment mean to you? Because I know that you have literally experienced all of it. So what is driving you? What's giving you that energy? That's awesome because it's probably the most common question people ask me is, man, you're over 50 years old and you're the most inspired person. Like the amount that you get done can do, it's extraordinary. How do you do it? How do you stay up all the time with so much energy? Well, I am connected to that, which inspires me. It's not coming to me or for me, it's through me. And so I have just created the ability to figure out how to connect to that which inspires me. And right, I'm living of purpose, on purpose. And that's which is what inspires me. And so if anything deters or corrodes my inspiration, instead of trying to fight through it, I go back to center and get a strong connection to that which inspires me and then take action. And so it's a completely different, divergent type of attitude and perspective in life that I'm most concerned about just allowing things to come through me. And that most importantly is connecting to that which inspires me. I always tell people the ego is, it, it stands for edge goodness out. You want to edge goodness out. If you want the no, the biggest corrosion of life, it's ego. That's what creates all the corroded connections. If you want to be sad, if you want to live in a faith of what you don't want, if you want to live in void shortages, obstacles, sickness, all the different things that you don't want in your life, go ahead and live in ego. If you want a clean connection and stay inspired to manifest not only productivity, but accessibility, then clean that connection and don't allow anything to edge goodness out of your life. Connect to goodness, connect that, that which inspires you and allow yourself to inspire others with it. Mm. So when you're talking about connecting to, to that which inspires you and you're talking about not you know letting that connection corrode, like for people who don't have maybe the tools in place, are there are there simple things that you started doing or even that you do? I would love to hear the conversation that you do now in your head to be like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm definitely in a lower vibration or I'm thinking these thoughts or, you know, I'm I'm, I can tell I'm in lack or I'm not in a good mood or whatever that is. When you, do you sit, do you meditate? Do you change your, like, do you go on a walk? What is that? Yeah. So there's some simple things that I do. One, uh, the key to awareness is when I don't feel good, Mm. I ask myself why. Oh, easy. Okay. So remember we have a pure litmus test of whether we're connected or not to goodness or whatever Mm -hmm. inspires you is, Hey, I feel really good. But what if I don't feel good? Like you just listed off some things earlier about I don't feel so good, right? Well, Mm -hmm. number one, why? And I keep asking myself why until I figure out what it is and really try to get to the reasons I don't feel good, the impact it's having on my life and the capabilities I have, want or need in order to effectuate feeling good. Mm -hmm. And then what I do is I go ahead and I sit down and I straighten my spine. I close my eyes. 
and I breathe deep in through my nose as if I'm breathing from the end of the universe all the way through me. And then I breathe it back out through my mouth, manifesting or focusing on what I do want. I believe that if you put faith in what you want, you'll get it. If you put faith in what you don't want, you're going to get that as well. One of the purest examples of that coming from the realm of academia, and almost everyone can resonate with this, is if you got a big test and you put faith in what you don't want, meaning, man, I hope this question's not on the test. I hope this question's not on the test. I guarantee you what question will be on the test, (laughs) right? And we do that all day long. We put faith into what we don't want, and then we're so surprised when we get what we don't want. Well, put faith in what you want. And don't be surprised when you get exactly what you want. And we can do that through clarity, balance, and focus. We can do that through simply straightening our spine, breathing deep in through our nose and out through our mouth, understanding the reasons, impacts, and capabilities of what we have in order to reconnect, to not allow edginess, to not allow us to edge goodness out of our life, to simply connect and clean the connection to that which inspires us. And I just hold that breathing until I feel good again. Mm. And then I put those positive mental thoughts about what I do want. And then I go ahead and reset, reacclimate, enjoying the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of my potential. Mm. So is there anything, uh, because I could talk to you all day, is there anything that we have not covered that is just on your heart that you want to leave with our listeners? You know, I, I think lowering the bar, I think people make things too difficult. They create so much resistance and don't understand outcomes. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's really important to understand what I'm talking about, this enjoyment of the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. Meaning if you lower the bar, two minutes of meditation is worth more than two hours in a week. If you do things consistently, there's 10,000 new inputs every day in in your world uh, generated by your perception, right? So the five senses that you have, you have cellular memory. And if you do something every day, uh, it goes through that cellular memory from what you think, say, and do into the 40,000 of the same thoughts you have every day. Those subconscious thoughts that sit and generate neural pathways in your mind that create efficiencies, effectiveness, and statistical success. And if we can control our inputs to positive ones, if we control the 40,000 of the same thoughts that go through our mind all day long and all night when we sleep, we can actually effectuate our unconscious competency. What does that mean? We actually can activate DNA that we want. We can have personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions that we want in order to be more productive and accessible, but also we can shift our energy. We can carry an energy that we can be one of those people that fall into a gutter and and end up smelling like roses. We can be one of those people that nobody knows why those touches of favor keep coming our way, why no matter what we do, we end up attracting exactly what we want, the right people, the right ideas, the amount of money. I truly believe you could take all the money in the world, drop it into the desert, it would go and redistribute itself to the exact same people Mm -hmm. because of what I'm talking about, controlling the conscious inputs, the 10,000 new data inputs a day, the 40,000 subconscious thoughts are, are exactly there every day and the unconscious competencies that we have. And if you do that, you will be kind to your future self and you will be able not only to ask for help, but to do good deeds for others. Mm, I'm so grateful for you today. And this is, I always say my podcast is like, you know, not only do I get to share and have awesome conversations, but it's like, it's like therapy. So (laughs) 
<laughs> so I'm so grateful. And I know that, you know, if I'm feeling this amazing, I know everyone else has benefited so huge from this conversation. And thank you for taking the time and being available to me and being able to um, really share your wisdom with everyone because I have so many beautiful notes and takeaways. And I'm just grateful for how you show up in the world. Well, vice versa. And I appreciate the opportunity to share my ideas. And if there's anything I can do to be of service, please, anyone reach out to me at David Meltzer, Google David Meltzer. I'm here to help and to be of service. If I can't help you, I'll find somebody that can. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And I know that you shared some of where we can find you, but is there anything? I know that you have amazing books. You have an incredible podcast. Yeah, we have the Playbooks, my podcast. Check it out Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Elevator Pitch is launching Wednesday, the 29th of May, uh, season four. It's been extended out for five seasons. Uh, and you can Google me or go to at David Meltzer, David Meltzer on YouTube, David Meltzer on LinkedIn. Find me, ask me for help. I am here to be of service uh, and be productive as well. So thank you. Thank you. And you guys, if you love this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it with your friends, share on Insta stories, you can tag us and we'll respond back to you. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more. Of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number? For real. My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday. I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back. And I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. Then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone 
phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Hey all, I'm so excited to share with you, Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up with Trent Shelton. And it's going to remind you that you are built for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. 
It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthday.com slash Lori.